It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi. This is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Hello. Welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. We have uh, a lot to talk about today. We don't get an oh yes this week. There's a really serious conversation that we have to have at the start of the show. So uh, to, to pay respect to that conversation that we have to have, uh, we get no oh yes this week. There are a couple of other topics that we're going to touch on that are a lot lighter uh, and, and going to you know, send people off under their weekend with a, a little bit more of a positive note. And you can check the, the show notes for where that that will end up being. But um, a huge story broke this week, broken by our very own Anthony Sanfilippo. And it it's something that we want to treat with respect and be delicate and also at the same time try to maybe shed a little bit of light on how this happened. Uh, the story itself, you know, the, the reporting of it. So we're, we're going to do our, our best with it this week. Please keep in mind that, you know, there are certain aspects of this because it, it, it is, um, you know, in, in litigation, there are certain things that just cannot be discussed or things that we certainly do not want to try to, you know, speculate or, or wade into the waters on um, as things might emerge, as things might come out uh, or a made public record. Obviously, we'll, we'll revisit this. But for now, we're going to kind of just kind of dive into it a little bit. So before we get there, uh, let's get to the man who broke the, the story. Uh, two Flyers trainers, Jim McCross and Sal Rafa, they um, suing Comcast Spectacor uh, among a, a number of defendants in this case. Um, the man who broke the story, Anthony Sanfilippo, find him on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. Yeah, Russ, um, this is, uh, you know, it's a difficult story, uh, well, it's difficult for me. I mean, imagine we're going to get to Bundy in a second. Imagine how difficult it is for him as someone who was in that training room uh, with Jimmy and, and, and Sal uh, as a player, um, which is a whole different relationship than, than I ever even had with them. Um, and um, But I got to know both of those guys really well over the last two decades. And so w- when I found out about this story, we all kind of found out around the same time. I mean, it was back in, in November, just before Thanksgiving. It was it was crushing. It was crushing then uh, when we found out. Um, obviously, out of respect for for the guys and out of respect for their process and their families and um, and what they wanted to how they wanted to proceed with this as far as it being public, we didn't say anything then. Um, we didn't publish anything then. It wasn't until um, last week that 
um, I was kind of given the go ahead uh, to, to, to put something out there. Um, and uh, when I was, I was able to obtain a copy of the 27 page complaint that was filed in Philadelphia court. Um, and uh, Jimmy and, and Sal are, are, are suing 11 different entities um, which include um, the ownership group of the Philadelphia Flyers, um, which is uh, Comcast Spectacore, Comcast Spectacore Holdings, and um, Comcast Holdings, it's uh, LLC as well. Um, the, the, when I was able to get that and I was able to read through it, like you, you get certain details and there's more that we know and we cannot discuss and we're not at liberty to discuss at the, at the current moment. But when you read through it, it's very – it's difficult. I mean it's, it's difficult to kind of sit there and go, could this really have happened? Is this really, is this really possible? And you know, I didn't want to – when I put the story together, it was, it was intentionally written the way it was because I, I didn't think that it was important for me to share my perspective. But more so just here's what, it sa- here's what the complaint says. Here's a comment from the legal team. Here's a comment from the Flyers or Comcast Spectacore. You, dear reader, make your own opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was the only way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when when these things come up, it is delicate. It's delicate because you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to believe that it's true. But at the same time. When you read the complaint, you sit there and say, "Well, gee, I see how it can be true." Sure. And and at the same, but at the same time, on top of that, you 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 have to assume, especially since this goes back to the Snyder years when when Voorhees was the uh, skate zone was first constructed. I think Bundy, you were you were on the team when you guys switched over f- to skate zone, right? In ninety ninety nine, I think it was when it I, opened. I think it was two thousand. Okay, it's two thousand. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you, so, yeah. So you guys switched over from from the old practice facility. Um, so th- we're going way back. I mean, we're going back. This, you know, so there. You know for a fact, knowing how this this organization always treated its players and treated its employees like family. You know, there was no malicious intent in in this right it's just it it is it, it's a it's a question of negligence it's a question of you know not really paying close enough attention and maybe maybe it's something where you just you just assume everything's going to be okay because who the hell thinks about getting cancer from a zamboni you know dirty ice from a zamboni or from bad ventilation in the zamboni room and we got to be careful saying zamboni just We'll, we'll probably use the term Zamboni a lot in this conversation. Um, Zamboni, we, we do fully acknowledge, is a brand. Yep. It's a brand like Q-Tip is a brand of cotton swabs, right? Okay. Yep. So we understand that there are other companies that manufacture these uh, ice resurfacing machines. But I think <laughs> it sounds stupid if we sit here every time we need to say Zamboni and to say, say ice, ice resurfacing, resurfacing machine. machine. Exactly. So, so let's yep. just get that out of the way up front. If we say Zamboni, we're not referring to the company, but rather referring to the, the actual machine itself. Okay. Um, but like, who thinks that? Like, who thinks that these things are that dangerous? Mm-hmm. Um, I did a little research since writing the story, and there's there's some stuff out there relating to zambonis and and um, carbon monoxide, 
and the effect of carbon monoxide on youth hockey players or hockey players. And that's why that, um, you know, I know that Zams have in, in, in over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years have, have kind of started to convert to be more clean energy. They've become electronic Zambonis now as opposed to gas-operated or propane-operated Zambonis. And they're finding, obviously, that those the, the, the newer ones, the electronic ones, while they cost more up front, are going to save you more in the long run. And they're obviously safer and, and they're better. Um, but you know that there are tiny little rinks all over North America that are not operated by a company or, well, they're, skate zones are no longer operated by Comcast, but they were for such a long time. But they're not backed by billion-dollar conglomerates that may not be able to afford that, that you know, um, electronic Zamboni or electronic machine. And, 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 and you sit there and say, well, man, this is not just a Flyers-related story. This is not just a Comcast and how they handled it related story. This is a hockey story that affects many, 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 many people, not at a just at a professional level, but at a amateur and youth level all across the world, really. I mean, we, we, we can sit here and say United States or North America, but really all across the world. And, and we might just be at the tip of the iceberg with this stuff, like just finding out. Because if you think about it, Jimmy McCrossin started with the Flyers in 2000. When that building first opened and doesn't find out for 21 years that his potential overexposure to these chemicals and to these carcinogens could have caused this cancer. 21 years. So, I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, there, there could be people who've been in a building and, you know, in, in a, you know, worked somewhere, worked in a, in a hockey rink somewhere stopped working there and then 15 years later they go in and they find out that they have some kind of blood cancer and doctors are saying to them well do you work around carcinogens or do you work around chemicals and no i don't why and you're not thinking oh 15 years ago <laughs> i used to work in a hockey rink and yeah these these carcinogens may have been there because i had no idea so i mean there's just so much awareness that needs to happen in this and I think we're, like I said, I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg of it. And who? There he goes. He, he whacked his mic and now he's muted and we still can't hear him. See, so he was, he was, he was, he was, he was on it. He was on a roll there, Bundy. And, you know, let's, let me throw it to you because yeah. I, I think, you know, you obviously have thoughts. So, you know, don't forget here, Bundy, follow him on Twitter at, at yeah, Cetarian six, but Bundy. Off. You're out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Get him out of here. Uh, you know, Bundy, what's what, what good stuff there, though? Seriously. Yeah, thanks. You know what? What Ant's saying here about it being the tip of the iceberg, like, I think we all have to agree, right? Like at, at this point, anybody who's lost someone to cancer wow. or anybody yeah. who's been diagnosed with cancer, who's worked in a hockey rink, we're not just saying has worked at Voorhees or has worked with that machine specifically or, or in those rooms. But like if if you're looking at this now and, and you've lost anyone like they're there's a legitimate chance here that this one little case that has become public knowledge, public record is going to potentially, I, I don't know, do we say upend the, the Apple cart like that, that we could see yeah. multiple cases brought against multiple organizations, uh, uh, not just in the U S but also in Canada. I mean, this, this could ultimately change the entire way that 
I don't want to say hockey teams operate and ice rinks operate, but like one has to assume, especially if you, if you throw in the, the carbon monoxide exposure piece to this that Anthony mentioned, like we're now talking about, you know, the potential that you're going to have to figure out a way to equip all of these rinks with electric, you know, ice resurfacing machines. If that is like proven to be a factor in the potential, you know, carcinogen exposure and, and such. So from, from your vantage point, you know, like, do you, do you view this the same way that, that Anthony does that like this is yeah. really just the start of something much bigger. Well, I mean, what if they find out that somebody that worked in the skate zone has also has this or somebody else who was there died. Like these are the things that are going to start. You're right. They're going to start coming across rinks across America or Canada. You know, I mean, I've been through small town Canada guys. I mean, you know, Anthony, the chicken wire, you know, netting around them. I mean, there's no plan to get a green machine in there to do the ice uh, in a community that's got, you know, 2,500 people, and that's the only rink they have within, you know, 15 or 20 miles to the next one. So, again, that becomes very expensive. Um, first, I, as, I, as I go back just to, to what you were, I mean, this is first off, uh, you know, one of the, mo the most disheartening things I think I've seen. I mean, Sal and Jimmy are, are like family to me. Um, you know, I've, I've gone through personal things in my life, which I've discussed openly and frankly about my alcoholism and stuff going back. And, and I tell you what, those guys were two people that were there for me, you know, through my battles. So, you know, I want to be there for them. They're, Jimmy's like, he's like a brother. He's been that close. That's what he means to players that have played there. And I'm not the only guy who would say this. Any alumni that played for Jim McCross and, or Sal Rafa will tell you what kind of people they are, uh, how they're held in the highest regard by the players, management, uh, they're just good people, you know, and they're doing their jobs. So, yeah, it looks it, – it, so, again, my heart's go to them and their families for what they're going through. Um, but now the, the real issue is, is is what Anthony did, some great reporting. Um, you know, what what has gone on in this? And I and, and all I did was I, when I read through it, the first thing I – is I know, because a lot of people don't know Sal and Jimmy. I know them. So my heart immediately goes in that direction. And then when you hear the statement coming back saying, well, there's no merit to it. Well, how do you know there's no merit to it? You know, and again, and then everyone else is like, well, why don't you blame this, the, as we call it, the Zamboni company? I think Bundy's got a bad internet connection. I am pretty convinced that his internet connection isn't great. But, Ant, Ant you are here. When, you, want me, when Bundy, you want me to pick up from there? Well, I mean, you certainly can. I mean, oh, oh here he looks, he's coming back. Like, he's it, coming back. It looks like he's, he's on his way back. It does that. It does that once I think every we week, need Russ. to do. We're going to have to do a GoFundMe for a, a better internet plan for you or a new router, <laughs> my my friend. But I, I got news for you. My my little internet box from Xfinity is right here. Oh, uh, Comcast. It, every week I've done it on Riverside. It's kicked me off once every time. Comcast. So get your little app prepared, have it ready, and don't waste my time on here. Get me booted off every week in the middle of my sentence. <laughs> So now Bundy's going to be suing. Can I finish? So let me, yeah, so let me say. So finish what you're going to say. How come there's there's no merit? How do they know there's no merit to it? Two guys with families pretty much got an end game result mm. out of what their diagnosis. I've talked to talked to them. I mean, it's mm. it's devastating. Yeah. Well, yeah. But again, and, and this is where this is where we're going is what more is out there? Is it just two guys? I mean, I'm, I'm, I, you know, my, yeah, everyone knows the story now, right? It's gone around the Delaware Valley and quite frankly, around the country, like a wildfire. And everybody that I know that's been, in, that I've coached, I've coached in that rink. My son's gone in that rink for seven years. It smells, it's awful by the Zamboni room. I mean, it's, it's, it, they're, it's, those rinks are not clean. You can say they're clean. They're not right. The Zamboni tunnels, Anthony, we walk by them to go to the press room, right? Mm -hmm. They reek. 
Like, you wouldn't leave anybody in there for a minute. I don't know what god-awful smell and sludge and other shit that goes into the sewers in front of that thing where the ice comes out. Uh, I can't imagine. And then you take what's coming off the machines. There's an odor around those Zamboni rooms. It doesn't matter what rink you're in, they reek. Mm -hmm. But the flyer skates own one, even heading down towards those locker rooms. The showers are dirty. They're never clean. They're never sanitized. And I, and I know because I've spent years and years and years inside those skate zone rooms that lead down on that side to the Zamboni room. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm, I'm just curious. You know, there's a lot of, I've had a lot of parents calling me, hey, what do you think my kid was in danger? Was there a chance that this was a... I don't know the answer to that. I appear to be fine, but I also didn't park my rear end ex- right next to the Zamboni room for the last 21 years of my life. Right. People are trying to say, well, what about the players? They're in there as much as the trainers. Are you guys out of your mind? The players come in, they go to their locker room. By the way, the locker room is way down from the trainers. Room. Yeah, so let's yeah. let's so, yeah, let's let's kind of paint that picture a little bit because obviously not every every listener of the show has has kind of gone down that way. So we don't want to assume yes. that um, that people definitely know that layout of skate zone. Like we're talking about the fact that the trainers room and the room where the the Zamboni the ice resurfacing machine they're almost is, is connected. held. They're they're almost they're, they're right there. So any potential yeah. all that se- all that separates them is a wall. Yeah. And so like a wall. emissions and, and all of that stuff. Yeah, so like emissions and all of this stuff that would be related to the Zamboni is parked a wall away. They're right there. Now by comparison, if you're a player, you walk off the ice at skate zone, you go through the doors, and then it's a it's a bit of a it's it, it's a little bit bit of a of a hike. It's you're not right on top. So go ahead and, and kind of elaborate from there. Yeah, no, and, that, and that's it. But for, I mean, I, I mean, no, maybe they've changed structurally some things over the years, but that, this, this, the trainer's room has always been next to the Zamboni entrance, either way, because there's two rinks, right? So mm-hmm. they funnel to both sides. Mm-hmm. But the thing is with that is, is, so that's exactly where they are. And people are like, well, the, tra- the players would be in there as much as the trainers. No, that's absolutely not true at all. The players will come in for, say, 9 o'clock for, you know, 10, 30, 11 skate practice for 45 minutes, maybe a workout, you're out of there at 1. Sal and Jimmy are there at 7. Their office is in that room. They work there all day treating players with ice, stim, heat, getting them ready for practice. When practice is over, they're back in there again. They're getting ice, stim, all the other things. They're spending their entire time in that room. And then when the players go home, Jimmy and Sal are still in there preparing for games, doing injury reports. That's where their office is. They're in there all day long for 21 years tied to what is looks like a mini super fun site that's exactly what it is. and what i think i think what, what people don't understand also what these trainers have to do i mean they assume it's just you know the physical side of things right bundy but how I mean, just think about how much paperwork there is for them tons of it they have to answer to the owner the gm uh the assistant gm everybody needs a copy of what's going on what what how's this guy's hangnail this week is it any better you got to write up a full report yep there's a lot of writing. There's a lot of reports that go in, and they sit in that office, in that room where their where their computers are, um, doing that work. So they, you know, it's on top of the, all the hours that they are in there with the players. They're in there for multiple other hours doing doing work as well. Um, yep. I, I want to get to the to the the point where, and you brought it up, you know, the the no merit comment, and that's I think it's an important thing to, to go over. Um, and I, Russ, I know you spoke with a lawyer um, and, and have a real good grasp of, of what the approach is here, why they would do this. And I'm going to let you kind of go into that in a minute. But here's where, here's where I think things were a little bit wonky from the 
Comcast Spectacore perspective. You know, we didn't give them, you know, in fairness, we didn't give them a lot, a lot of time to answer. All right. And, and that was by design. Um, usually when you have a story like this, you want to give the people who have to make a comment, you want to give them just a few hours. And so that it's, it's equal. So nobody's got to, you know, there's no playing favorites one side or the other. Um, so we gave them a few hours in, in the morning on Monday morning before we put the story out. And that was the, that, that was the statement that they came back with. Now, who writes that statement? The public doesn't know this, right? The public just assumes that the PR guy or the or the or the communications guy is writing this and it's getting signed off by, you know, the the, the powers that be, and then they're going to put it out there. In this case, because it's being litigated, that statement is written by a lawyer. It's written by Com, whoever Comcast's legal to. There's now they have multiple lawyers from different. Um, uh, firms, so I don't want to sit here and say it was one particular law firm that wrote it. I don't know who, um, but I do know that it was written, certainly written by a lawyer. And then it was just funneled up the, the food chain. Everybody said, yeah, all right, guys, go with it. I, I, I think that that's where, their, that's where their mistake was because they could have nixed the lawyer's comment. And like I said, Russ will get into why the lawyer wrote it the way he did. But I think that the the, the, the mistake that – what's that? I'm sorry. He or she. We don't know. We don't know yeah, who wrote correct. It. Could okay. be he or she. You're right. Thank you. A lot of great, um, lot of great female attorneys <laughs> in the city, Anthony. Yes, you're right. You're 100% right. Um, but that. But I think when you see that the, – the, 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 the angle that you have to look at it is how is the public going to view this? How is the public going to view this comment? And when you're talking about two beloved figures – being diagnosed with terminal disease and then coming out and saying their their claim has no merit everybody's all they're all, the, the public is already on their side just because they're sick they're on their side no matter what because they're sick to to put oil into the fire there doesn't make any sense it only it only in my perspective makes the public that much more mad at the at the company and and more in favor of the the, uh, the trainers the athletic trainers so they should have what they should have done they should have seen that and said you know what let's just pull that little let's pull that no merit sentence out leave it as leave the rest together and say we can't speak because this is you know pending litigation and let it go that would have been kind of that was the comment i think we were all expecting um you know, I was when I what I was expecting, but when I, so when I saw the no merit thing, I was like, oh man, that that does not look good. And again, like I, it should be clear that this is this was written by an attorney, but they could have watered it down and did not. Now, whether it was a time crunch, they didn't feel they had enough time to do that and get it to us before we push because we gave them. We said, listen, this is when the story's running, so if you get if you don't get it to us. We can update it later. We're gonna we're going live with the story. So maybe part of that is on us, you know, that we didn't give them that much time to do it. But hey, you know what? You should have been able to handle it and do it. And and so there. So that's why I think that that's where you know it goes from there. So anyway, but Russ, why yeah, so, don't you tell everybody why would the lawyer? Why would the lawyer be so aggressive? Stop. Listen, my let let me be clear. Being the former mock trial advisor at Phoenix Area High School, <laughs> uh, where by the way delivered the only playoff victory in the history of that program. 
not to not to break. It, kangaroo court it, it, does, <laughs> it does not make me a uh, an expert in law right so to, to to be fair here a little bit earlier this week uh bob wankel our colleague and i we did a an, i feel like we got our legal analyst on like now. this yeah I, we, I know right we we did a, an episode of crossing broadcast and we mentioned this in passing towards the end of the episode and i said at the time uh, and this is before I had consulted a legal expert. I, I, I said, I don't like how this sounds. I don't like how this statement reads because in theory, there's no added benefit. Like there's, there's nothing about the statement itself that is enhanced by throwing out the line of no merit, right? Because obviously if this goes to trial or whatever this goes to from, from this point forward, obviously their, their standing is going to be, and their position is going to be that there is no merit to the accusations. That's what they're going to do. It's, it's an implied thing. Does it need to be said publicly? I don't know. I would argue that it, it really does put them in a bad spot. It puts them in a bad optics spot. And so here's the statement. And then we're, we'll break this down a little bit. The safety of our employees and guests at the flyers training center and all of our facilities is always a top priority for us. We have looked into the allegations made by Jim McCrossin and Sal Rafa after the uh, over the course of several months, and based on that, believe that their claims have no merit. Beyond that, we cannot comment further, given that this matter is in litigation. So I read that a couple of days ago on a podcast. And then I, I heard back from somebody who took exception to my take on this, which at the time I looked at Bob and I said, Bob, what the fuck is this? Like, what what goes into the decision to add that line of no merit? Because if we take that line out, the statement reads fine. The safety of our employees and guests at Flyers training facility or training center, all of our facilities is always a top priority for us. Beyond that, we cannot comment further given this matters in litigation. It's a very clean statement, right? It's, it's clean. It's crisp. It's fine. And if the Flyers put that statement out, nobody panics, right? No, you don't, you don't get kind of a vitriolic response. Now, there are a few things to keep in mind here. Uh, and, and that's why this is kind of worth diving into the no merit thing. Talk to a, uh, an attorney friend and said, Hey, conceptually, did they need to include this? He said, no, he said that there, this is a, a calculated decision to include that line about no merit into the statement. And there are a few different reasons. There are a few different, you know, possibilities as to why it was added in did mention the fact that likely this statement wasn't obviously just a, a PR crafted thing. This wasn't, and I want to be clear. Because the way that Anthony framed it, I think, kind of makes it sound like it's a gotcha or that, like, it could have trended into gotcha territory. There were a few hours given to the organization ahead of time before the story was published. And obviously, the organization was aware that this was a, a, a litigious matter, that this was something that was public file, and that the second that it got found out and got reported, it was going to be out there. So you, you did theoretically have time to almost make a preemptive statement that if and when this becomes public, we, we know what we want to say. So I don't want it to come off as though like Anthony went and like pulled a gotcha on the flyers because that's not what happened. So let's get back to the no merit thing. There are only a few reasons that you would do it. And, and in effect, from a legal perspective, this is more of taking an aggressive tone. This isn't deflecting blame and this isn't necessarily playing the defensive. This is an aggressive tone by saying there's no merit. Now, there are a few different reasons that you could 
conceptually come up with this. One, there could be frustration because any kind of legal issue that might have been brought up, you would assume that the, the plaintiffs in this case, the trainers and their legal team may or may not have had conversations with representatives of the flyers and their legal side prior to this case being filed and prior to this going public, and that it's entirely possible that the resolution that might have been proposed from one side or the other or the conversations that were had, and maybe if I, we do not know this, I will say very clearly, I do not know, I have not had conversations with Jim or with Sal or with the Flyers or, or Spectacor about were there conversations held? Did they say, take, you know, here's our offer, here's X amount of money, medical expense. I don't know this, okay? But conceptually, that is a thing that would probably happen before a case like this gets made public and then public record. So were the Flyers, was Comcast, were, were Spectacor, were they upset that whatever might have been the discussion or whatever p possible package or whatever could have been discussed wasn't accepted? Maybe. The more likely thing that happened here is exactly what we said at the start of the show about this being the tip of the iceberg. You come out with a declarative statement. There is no merit because you are trying, likely, possibly, to nip in the bud the concept that this could have been uh, applied to other people who have been in or around Skate Zone. Because if, let's just say hypothetically, if there is somebody who has worked at the rink before who also came down with a rare blood disorder or a cancer that cannot easily be explained as Jim and Sal have, you know, been diagnosed with. Well then shit, like obviously anybody who's gone through that is probably going to now pursue legal action, right? This getting public mm -hmm. now opens the door. Whereas if you're able to settle this before any of this goes public, the, the, the trainers and the team, the organization, this all goes without saying, if they come to an agreement, there's a non-disclosure agreement that's arrived before this becomes public, well, then all those people who might have otherwise panicked or might have had somebody who's been affected by a similar disease or any kind of strange diagnosis, it never gets public. But now it is. And so when you throw out the no merit line here, you're trying to mitigate any of the damage or potential risk that could befall your organization now. Because anybody who's had any kind of a diagnosis that cannot be explained or seems strange, is now going to probably look in some way, shape, or form to pursue legal action. And that, I mean, when we say the tip of the iceberg, we don't have information right now that there's like 40 new plaintiffs that, or plaintiffs that are going to be added to this case right. or going to file their own. But it stands to reason that like if, if you or somebody you know has worked in, in Skate Zone for any period of time and has a strange diagnosis pop up, you might now kind of question. I will say, and, and again, there is... No, there is no uh, murmur about this. There is nothing that's been said to us that there's anything being pursued here. But like if you're Oscar Lindblom, who was diagnosed with a rare cancer and you're his doctors, right, or his family or you're the player himself and you go, well, I didn't have a way to explain it before. And this is by no means an explanation. As Bundy said, players are not living out of working out of that office as much as the trainers did, to be clear. But. It's a weird yeah. diagnosis, and you cannot blame a person or their family or their doctors if they go, oh, that's interesting. Not saying that it's related. We have no idea. We have no way to know if it's related. And, and honestly, if this case ultimately goes to trial, it's going to be – I'm sure a ton of medical experts are going to be brought in to kind of lend their obvious uh, opinion and, and their expertise into you know how much merit there is to these claims and – can it be tied back to 
negligence or, or whatever, you know, they're, they're going to go with here. But I think that's why this no merit line gets added in. The simple thing to say is what Anthony did, which is you're already in a bad optics standpoint this season. Right. And, and it's, it's a thing where like the, the team is awful and fine, right? Like that, that's its own thing. And there have been some off ice things that we've discussed on this show that haven't been great. And it's just like, it's another thing added on. The problem here is that this is so much more important, right? Bundy was upset about the alumni game. We all thought that the way that the, the uh, Holmgren and Tockett ceremony was handled wasn't exactly great, right? There have been things like that, but none of that matters relative to what's happening here with these Flyers trainers. They've been given diagnoses that are incurable diseases and likely will, yeah, they're, 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 yeah. they're, they're not going to, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, it, it, it's going to take a miracle for them to get better. We can say, I think that's probably, yeah, that, they got, that's, they got, they got dealt the worst kind of cars you could have gotten dealt, right? Yep. Like in terms of what, what's wrong. I mean, so I, I, and again, I think everybody that we talked to you guys, it's all been about first and foremost, both Sal and Jimmy and how they're feeling, you know, like I know I've talked to a couple of people. I know there's a lot of, there's some drugs that people are using more trial drugs and stuff. So there's optimism, but still, you know, it's like getting a death sentence thrown at you for, for doing your job. And, um, just a very tough time. You know, Sal's got a young family. Jimmy's got a young son, too. He had a little bit later. Uh, wives are amazing people. So we'll see where this goes. But, again, I, I just don't uh, – I think that's the part when you go around is, you know, immediately, guys, when I just talked the other day at the end of this on the teals, uh, the parents and uh, the kids that were part of the Skate Zone community for so many years asking questions. And then, um, you know, again, former employees, you know, you're thinking to yourself, how many people have worked in there? Are there any Flyers employees that work upstairs that spend time down there? You know, like asking a guy like a – trying to think of who else has been there a long time. Like a Zach Hill. You know, that's a guy that just happened. I'm just thinking of a name off the top of my head of someone who's been there an awfully long time, you know. So, yeah, but these are fair questions. All of Anthony, it was, a great, it was great reporting. It's a terribly sad story. Uh, but I do feel like, uh, you guys, this year, I mean, it's been some breathtaking incompetence, levels of incompetence that have gone on this year with the way the teams run. And I sure hope at the end of the day that it, it, it didn't uh, it didn't weave its way into this situation either. Yeah, and, and I well, that's that's a that's a that's a great question, Bundy. I mean, I mean, I don't. I have a hard time. You know, we've criticized this organization for a lot of things on this show, um, and even on Twitter and Crossing Broad. Um, and as much as we've criticized them for certain things. I, I I can't I have a hard time thinking or believing that anyone, whether we think they're incompetent at their jobs or not, right. would intentionally say, you know, we don't we don't want the best for these people. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, from a you have to look at I, I think it's sometimes we, we lose track of the fact that they are running a business. And so from a business perspective, handling it the way that they're kind of handling it, which is more hands off while it seems cold and callous, I I think is probably the the standard practice for any, any business, right. That would, that would face the same thing. Right. So I, so I I don't want, I don't, that's another thing. I don't want fans to think that just because that the organization's being that way, that that's, Oh my God, they're just being, Oh my, how can they be so insensitive? I think there are sensitivities within the, within the organization. Let's just let's just put it that way. But at, and, and they and they don't want. It, but at the same time, I do think that there are things that 
that can be that can be done that maybe could have been done that maybe could have been done prior to this. Yeah. Once it gets to this point, I think that this is what it is, right? Yeah. But maybe prior to there being a lawsuit filed, I mean, this is not something that just cropped up, right? I mean, we Jimmy found out about his initial diagnosis pr- prior to having the cancer in 2020. He yeah. he finds out about cancer. Uh, I guess late spring, early summer of 21, Sal finds out just after that. So we're, we're about a year or almost a year since they've alerted the company, yep. right? So there had to be some kind of con- – there was certainly conversation going on there beforehand. And I think that that's maybe where things could have been done differently to prevent it from getting to this point. But once it gets here, I think that there's no other – that the company has to respond the way they are responding, the, the the Jimmy and Sal's lawyers are responding the way they have to respond. And we have to just unfortunately sit here and watch it play out th- through a legal system that sucks and sucks for everybody. Right. Yeah. It sucks for every it sucks for all of us sucks for them. You know, I mean, I, I got to point out, I mean, I, the athletic um, actually did a nice story. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, they did a nice story. I'm going to look up the writer because it wasn't. It wasn't local. It was national. Um, but they did a nice story on Jimmy. Um, and they were doing one on Jimmy versus um, uh, Jimmy and, and how him and Oscar's relationship, like, really kind of uh, impacted one another, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and they, you know, they updated the story. It was, it was slated to come out. I think it was slated to come out on Monday. And they held it a couple days. And then they put it out, you know, after our story broke. Um to uh, to talk about the uh, to talk about you know how Jimmy was helping Oscar and now now in return Oscar's helping Jimmy, um, and and he talks about it in there he, he talks about just like you know how you know all the treatments that he's going through he's going to the Cleveland Clinic I mean this is good stuff from the Athletic, um, and uh, you know how he's you know he's hoping that um, you know that this that they can give him a little bit more time. But Jimmy, Jimmy, in that story, said, one, "I have one to three years." Yeah. Do, should he be spending the one to three years he has remaining dealing with a, a a lawsuit, having to go to court? I mean, it's going to be reminiscent, and I hate to make a comparison to to Hollywood, but it's going to be reminiscent to the movie Philadelphia. Like, if you if you guys have ever seen that movie, I mean, it came out in the nineties, but you know, in, in that case, it was not had, didn't have to do with cancer, it had to do with AIDS. But you know, he's dying in the movie, and yet he's got to constantly go to court and fight and go to court and fight. Like, we shouldn't be putting this gentleman through that no. and his family through that. There has to, there should be, there should be a. You should find as quickly as possible a resolution. Yep. And that's why I, my my what upsets me is that it it got to this point. Not that now that we're here, there's nothing you can do about it. But it shouldn't have gotten to this point, and I and I wonder why it did. And that's that's what bothers me more than anything else. Yeah, and I, and I'm with you there, Anthony, too. Right? You wonder like what you, this is not like. It's not like a ma- a major NHL team that's owned by you know Bundy, Anthony, and Russ, and we got a few hundred bucks together. I mean, this is a major company. When the thing went to it, and they they clearly decided that they were going to fight it rather than try to to deal with it. I guess the other part too is you know with five game five games left, guys. If I'm yeah, that's five, correct. Five games. You know, Jimmy and Sal are still doing their jobs, right, yeah. for the team. You know, they, they usually with something like this would happen, those people would be replaced immediately. So 
I think it speaks volumes in a lot of ways, guys, about the importance of what these people mean to the team uh, and how important their jobs are to them. So, again, I, I know Jimmy and Sal. I know the passion they have about the sport of hockey. I know the passion they have for people that they deal with. I wish them nothing but the best with all the love everybody has. You have an entire, The entire Delaware Valley is behind them in every sense. Uh, they have been legendary people because they've been good to people over the years. They've always given their time, their care. I think of my kids over the years with their athletics. You know, if uh, Isabella was nine years old and something happened, twisted her ankle, I would call Jimmy. He'd say, hey, practice is over tomorrow. Bring her right in. I'll have a look at her. Waited for the players to leave, come in the back door. Just things like that that make you say, man, that's a guy that just went the extra mile. You know, he didn't have to do that. But that's, that's the way that we learned. That's Flyers hockey right there. Flyers family, you know. It was started like that. Um, and that's what Jimmy and Sal have, have been really the ones to carry that. And I'll, and I'll give another example too, Bundy, because again, I'm not, I'm not necessarily part of the family. Okay, okay, I worked for the team for two years, so maybe for two years I was part of the family. But prior, prior to that, prior to that, I had a um, uh, a situation um, where I needed to have, uh, ultimately needed to have surgery um, on my wrist and elbow for a nerve impingement. And it was really, really bothering me bad. And I had been talking to Jimmy about it over at Skates. And this is when I was with the Daily Times. And, uh, and he said, I want you to see our, our team wrist specialist and hand specialist. I said, okay, well, when am I going to see him? He's like, well, at our next home game, come down to the locker room first period while the game's going on. I'm like, while well, you sure about things? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, the players are out on their bench. He says, just come in. So I literally yeah. went downstairs. This is God's honest truth. First period of the game's going on. I go downstairs. I go see the hand specialist. He takes a look at it. He knew pretty much right away what it was. Gave me a shot right in the right there. Gave me a shot of cortisone. And he said, "You're going to come see me in my office." And then they went. We went ahead, and we you know got the job, got it repaired. That was in 2009. But like in middle of the game, I mean, and and that's how Jimmy cared enough. And I was just a reporter. I wasn't working for the team then. I was just a reporter, but he cared enough about just the people around him on a regular basis to say, you shouldn't, you should not be suffering any more than you already are. Let's take care of you and get it and get it fixed. And I mean, I think it's like that crazy, you know, and that's the kind of, that's just the kind of guy that he is. And that's part of, and I hope the car, that same karma comes back to him. Yeah. yeah. In, in and that, I think that's ultimately why this is so upsetting on so many levels. I mean, you guys obviously have a, a very different relationship. I do not have a relationship with, with uh, Jimmy and Sal that you guys do, but from a, from an outside perspective, as somebody who has a young family, the idea of being given this kind of diagnosis at, at a point where neither of these guys should be facing something like this. It, it, it is absolutely gutting in every way. And it's something that obviously is just going to be something that we're going to continue to update people on. And we hope that people are, are going to go out of their way to, to send, you know, the, the very best they can their way. Cause they're going to need all the, all the prayers they can, all of the the good mode, the good juju, like whatever it is you believe in that you want to put out there in, into the into the universe for them. Um, and if if ultimately there's like some kind of a crowdfunding thing that's set up for them, like we'll obviously spread the news about that as well. It is just a, a terrible situation, and we we hope for nothing but the best for these guys. Um, it it is a terrible situation. We just. We will sit back and we will hope that that a good resolution comes out of this. And, you know, 
course. Yeah, for, for not sure. just for them, but also for their families. Uh, it, it is truly awful. But we will um, we'll keep all of you who listen, who, who read the site, we'll keep you updated as best we can going forward here because this obviously is, is very far from being over. Um, things that are over, the Flyers' season. We're five games away from the end. And if you go to my favorite website, one that I, I used to frequent a lot as a Sixers fan, you go to Tankathon, you take a look, the Philadelphia Flyers, third best odds right now, third worst record. Third worst points percentage. Well, I think this, I think by winning great. I think by winning last night they jumped back to four. I don't Didn't know. Tankathon pass? still has some third, so I'm I'm going to go with hmm. the mighty Tankathon. Hmm. Don't upset me, Aunt. I don't have time for it. I don't. Mm-hmm. I do not. I don't have time. Don't you dare. I'm just going to look at the standings, Russell. Relax. How many, how many points are in the standings that you see, Aunt Sam? They have fifty. They have fifty nine. Yeah. Seattle is fifty eight. So t- We'll take that was a, a horrible win last night, Anthony. It was a horrible win last night. <laughs> they were, they're fourth. Arizona, Montreal. You know what it is? Vince. I, it's, it's points per game. It's their points percentage. They have a, uh, a but, yeah, but Seattle is because Seattle has two games in hand. Exactly. So, yeah, the yeah, Flyers yeah. are at what? Point seven five six and Seattle's at point seven six three. The one thing that we needed the Flyers to do is lose. The one thing that they somehow figured out how to do was deposit the puck in the back of the net. But guys, I have positivity on this show. I promise I have positivity just a little bit. James Van Riemsdyk has obviously increased his trade value. We might not have to attach a second round pick with him when he gets sent to the desert to go play in front of 3000 fans next year. Can we have a moment here to rejoice that James Van Riemsdyk, the streaky goal scorer, has finally put the puck in the back of the net. He's put the biscuit in the basket. Praise be to the hockey gods. I don't know what you guys think, but if he can score two more goals in the last four games and finish this season with 25 goals, you maybe can move that contract in the off season. It's only one year left. Yep. And maybe somebody's willing, maybe not to say that you wouldn't have to, the flyers might have to eat a part of it, maybe a couple million on it. But like if, if, if you could, if you might get a team saying we'll pay five, you pay two and we'll take a 25 goal scorer for a year. Maybe that's a, that, I, I'm, that's the best I can get you is a Maybe. Bundy, what do you think? Yeah, it's. It, I mean, if his salary were a little less, I think he'd get picked. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, and, and you know what? But you just said something that's just so odd. It's a twenty-five goal score, right? Like he got twenty-five <laughs> goals. I don't know how, but he got twenty-five <laughs> goals. Like seriously, I'm not. That's I'm what not, I'm saying. Not a He's played a long time in the league now. I mean, he doesn't really like corners. He doesn't really like front of the net. Like in terms of, I mean, you can play in front of the net now in this league and not get tomahawked like Johnny Leclerc did for right. 10 years here in Philly. But he's got 25 goals, so it's hard for me to say anything about that. Yeah, I mean, he, stay, he, he pretty much stays healthy, and he can get yeah. you 25 goals. He's got a, a ton of weaknesses to his game. Well, There's no doubt about it. All kinds of flaws in his game. Yeah. He's got 25 goals. Somebody's going to be like, wow, we got a guy who's got 25 goals. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, it's I'm pretty possible. sure that I've been saying most of the season, all we need is one good JVR stretch, either before the trade deadline or at the end of the season. I'm glad he was listening. I'm glad he's gone along with it. <laughs> he was tuned in. And, and, and look, rehab that, that value, man. Just two more. Get to 25. We'll send you on your way. By the way, I, I want to know, um, uh, let me go to Bundy on this. So the, the Maple Leafs play on an ESPN game. And there's a, an exchange where um, I, I don't know the person who I guess was doing the interview with Simmons, 
Uh, but she says that Pat Maroon said that you're soft. So my question, are you soft? I saw people were outraged about this, that she asked the question to Simmons. I think it was a perfectly acceptable thing because she she couched it the way that she did. Um, yeah. Oh. So Maroon called Simmons soft. I guess she heard it between the benches and then said, so, OK, are you soft? And he's like, well, I don't you know, I don't think so. You know, he's the one who never obliges me when I try to fight him. And then they eventually fought in the game. When when Simmons was in he, on his last legs here in Philadelphia, a lot of people were saying that he was washed, uh, that his best years were behind him. And yet here we are years later, and he's still not only in the league, but is still playing for a team that has legitimate cup aspirations in, in Toronto. Did this team make a mistake by moving on from him from him? And at the same time, are you surprised that he's been able to remain in, in the game and, and playing for an actual legitimate meaningful team that's like a two-part question that's delved into like 40 different subtext in it so here's the <laughs> issue it is right like it, it here's yeah. the issue no it's a good fair question russ but here's the issue with simmer so when he signed his contract right his agent kind of actually signed him too long for his age at the time and he signed a six-year deal if he would have signed a five-year deal he would have been in another situation to get a long-term contract one of the issues with Simmer that did have here, and I was still broadcasting uh, at the time, uh, he had some injuries that were starting to come about. Uh, foot, legs, a little bit. And he was, his numbers did go down significantly, right, Anthony? So mm -hmm. one of the things, so what has to happen when a guy like that happens, when, when you have a guy like that is you, if he's not playing top six minutes with players that are going to be able to get you those points and then he's not producing, that would be a time where you probably move a guy and get assets back for him. Um, so they did move him at, after, at the deadline there. He went to Nashville, correct? I, if I'm yeah. old, this is the top of my head right now. Right. And again, and even at, at, in Nashville, he had a terrible playoff that year. Um, he ended up yeah, signing after that, but he could only get those shorter-term deals. He couldn't get that long-term stretch deal anymore. And what, what's happened also, Russ, they've added another uh, team in Seattle. You know, there's another yep. team came in with Vegas. That's 64 more jobs available. And when you look at the grand scheme of things, if, if Simmons is Simmer's not at a point anymore where he is a impactful top, you know, top six guy that's going to drive your team. If he's playing at a bottom six now. He's not as noticeable, but he can re, he he what he's done is he's actually flipped the script a little bit from being that impactful high end offensive guy that played a lot of minutes to somebody who's now as valuable in the bottom six in whatever role that is. He still fights fights late in games. Uh, just a great guy. I mean, listen, I, you, you don't have to ask me long what I, my thoughts are of Wayne Simmons. I absolutely adored him as a guy, as a player on the ice. I mean, he, if, like I said, I say it all the time. If I didn't have Wayne Simmons doing that between the bench thing they have, uh, I would have been asleep most nights. That's how brutal the hockey was getting, and Wayne Simmons kept it interesting for a guy standing <laughs> down there. So thank yeah, you very I, much. Yeah. I, I, mean, I love him. I, and, and, yes, Russ, he's still a guy that really – and you know what, Wayne, uh, what Simmer also does? He'll never cheat you of an effort, man. He's on that team, yeah. whether you're the shitty Philadelphia Flyers this year or a surging Toronto Maple Leafs team, that albeit lost last night to Tampa, he's going to give you 110% effort because he wants to try to win a Stanley Cup, and that's what he's all about. He's a throwback. He's a throwback. Yeah. There's not many left in the league now that have the throwback mantra on it. Wayne Simmons is one of the, one of the, the last, the last remaining ones. Yeah, I mean, and, and just to add on real quick, Russ, on that, I mean, it's not like he's having a monster year. I mean, he's only got 17 points, right? Yeah, right. Six goals, 11 assists, playing fourth line. But you know what? When you think about what the Flyers have rolled out on their fourth line this year, 
and you look at a Wayne Simmons on the fourth line, who would you rather have? 100% yeah. Wayne Simmons. Yeah. Sure. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I just think I, I I just think that the Flyers probably waited a season too long to trade Wayne Simmons. Or extend. If they would well, yeah. I mean if I mean if you could have so you like I, I just went back. I just wanted to see where where he where he was at when they traded him. He he had 16 goals, 11 assists, 27 points. It was a minus 20 yeah, in 18-19 when they traded him. He was kind of cooked. The year before he had 24 goals. Yeah. He did. So like that was that that was probably the year seventeen eighteen was probably the year if you probably could have gotten more of a return for Wayne Simmons because you would have recognized he's not quite at the end but he's getting there. If fan favorite too, I would factor a little yeah. bit. In. Good guy, good team. I yeah, give these guys some balls a lot of nights too. Believe oh yeah, me. oh yeah. Play at, at a higher level of confidence and just a great guy, man. I'll tell mm-hmm. you what, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, you we're all gonna root for Florida. Yeah, I'm not. exactly. I'm rooting for I'm rooting for Toronto yep. until Wayne Simmons is retired. So yeah. good luck to me, but I'm on the I'm on the Wayne train all the way, baby. Hey, one, one, one last thing, one last thing, guys. I, I don't know if you guys saw this. So I, you know, one thing that we do every year is is um, there's a the Flyers have their annual awards night, which is always the closing home game of the year. So it'll be the Ottawa game on the 29th. And they give out awards, and there's multiple awards that they give out. There's there's two that are voted on by the media. There's a couple that are voted on by the team. There's one that's voted on by the fan club, whatever. Um, and so all of us, those of us in the media who are, who are down there um, on press row, we got the email to vote for the Bobby Clark Trophy for Team MVP and the um, Barry Ashby Award, which is the best defenseman. And we were instructed in this awful year to only vote for players who are still on the roster because it was – you could make an argument to vote for Giroux as the best player this year, as bad as this season was. Not showing a lot of respect to Derek Broussard, Ant. <laughs> and I voted for Braun and Giroux. <laughs> for the Ashby and then uh, the Clark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and Sam Carcitti from Philly Hockey Now, he wrote a whole article saying it's BS. Like we should be allowed to vote for those guys. I don't I don't know if I agree with Sam. I mean, I can't ever remember a time where somebody who wasn't on the team ever got votes for those awards. They're gonna fly him back in though, Anthony. If Drew yeah. is they're gonna fly him in. Fly fly him in for the game. <laughs> All right. Hear me out. Hear me out. He gets he gets the award. Does he then uh, provide the curated response to the Philadelphia Flyers fan base. Remember, he he promised that he would eventually curate a thank you to the fans, which still hasn't still hasn't I mean, happened. Look, I don't I don't want to be Mister Negativity here. I don't want to trigger all of like the people who who like are are like still like weeping into their Giroux pillows here. But like fucking a man, like you. You knew you were going to get dealt. Like, have your PR team put out a a thing, take out an ad in the Philadelphia Inquirer, like. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but like, don't we see this? The team with, like, did. Like, don't the team we see did. this with like virtually every athlete of any kind of meaning in this city on their way out? They thank the fans. It's not oh, yeah. hard. We don't need you a Players what, Tribune I piece. Like, just just put a thing that says thanks for the memories, even though they weren't so great. Fallout, dude. Boy, you were go- dude. You Giroux. were gone for ten like, games, weren't you? And then huh? you came back. I was. Yeah, but I'm actually going to get a billboard done now on the bridge. Just said thanks, <laughs> fans, from me. <laughs> From dealing just, with me for 12 like, years. I, I forgot to say it. thank you when I left. And just give him a little billboard. 
can't believe this is a thing. You know, it's so stupid. And yet I, was, I actually I actually asked Kevin the other day who like does most of the, the, the writing for the site. I was like, hey, did I miss this? Because like I go into my my writing about sports betting hole and I'm like, I might have missed it. I'm like, did it happen? He's like, no. I'm like, what the hell? Like, how far? Past I know. Whatever. I mean, it's I just the dumb. team. The, like, te- the team did better. The team did better than Giroux. Let's give the they, Flyers their flowers on this one. They they, they, they put the had, they put the ad in the paper. They sure did. They thanked Giroux in the paper. They had a great night with Giroux. I mean, yeah, you know, they got some new stuff going on, guys. I, I don't want to. I'm going to say this, and I know you guys are going to laugh. It's going to sound critical, and, and I don't want I don't want them to think that I'm being critical. But if you guys want to laugh, go right ahead. I will. And I cover my you, know what do- you know what they're doing now? Hmm. This, they are so now like over, overly recommitted to trying to do things the way they used to be done in the past. That yesterday there was um, uh, a viewing in the rink of the HBO documentary Broad Street Bullies. They played it on the big board. For employees who maybe are too young to know anything about that era or maybe employees who are not originally from Philadelphia to kind of understand. And then there was a like a talk back, like a Q&A that they had about it. And apparently, like, there's more of these planned for the, the summer to, like, do, like, you know, look at some season videos, maybe from, like, when the, the 80s. Um, kind of like recapping like the, you know, Bundy's teams in the 90s and then early 2000s and really kind of do like a history lesson for employees. I, I, look, I, I think it's OK. I think it's I think it's you know, it's, it's kind of cheesy, but it's OK. No. I don't have a problem with it. Listen, Ant, it's about I, damn time. It's the way I look at it. It's about damn time, right? Why are you hiring people that don't know shit about the organization anyway? Well, that's a that's I'm seriously a like, why are you hiring? You have people that already know about tradition. Why are you hiring people that are incompetent that don't know anything about the team anyway? And so now you're going to huh, train them on I the mean, side. Is it on job training? Like, what yeah, is see, this? I don't think that I don't think that one's fair. What kind of I mean, world like, are if, we living in, Russ? If, if you're working in professional <laughs> sports, right? Like, if, if you're going to go from one team to another, I don't expect that everybody who gets hired by a team knows every intricacy of, of a team's history, right? Like, if, if I work for the Philadelphia Flyers and then I go get hired by the Colorado Rockies, right? Like, I, I, I don't think it would be fair to expect me to know every nuance and everything that's ever happened with the Rockies. I would hope that over time I would learn about, like, many of the important things. But, like, to make the argument that, like, they should have hired a Rockies person over me because like, I don't think that's. Well, but, but let me ask you this though, Russ. What? I'll say this though, and this is what? where I'll, I'll come in between the two of you guys. You know, you're on one extreme and Bunny's on the other. I'll come right. I'll play the hedge. I'll be right in the middle. Okay. If if you get that job with the Colorado Rockies before you go work there, how much oh. work are you doing into oh, the I'm, research and the history I'm, of the Colorado Rockies? I am all over it. That's like, the difference because it's it's what you're doing with any job, right? Like you're. This right. is this is like you go in for an interview, right? And you look for the company's mission statement and you figure out a way to weave that in three or four times because you think that those are and like you work in your corporate buzzwords. But like, uh, OK, I just I think it's great. And I don't know which employees were part of this. I am very excited to know that the next time I'm going to sound like an asshole for say whatever. But like, I am glad to know that when I get there and um, Tim takes my my ticket He's going to know about the Broad Street Bullies. And when I go get a, a beer from Allie behind the, the counter, she'll know who the Broad Street Bullies are. And Jerome takes me to my seat 
and and he reads the ticket and shows me where to sit. And then at some point I'm in the bathroom and John, you know, uh, replenishes the paper towels while, you know, waxing poetic about Bob Kelly. And then I, you know, and, and then I get to um, the the demolition room and I've got Jose there ready to hand me the hammer or whatever to go smash a plate. I am glad that everybody knows. And Jose's going to tell you hammer was the nickname for Dave Schultz. That's what Jose's going to tell you, right? That's a good point. That's a really good right? point. Yeah. Do. It's, it's more for me guys that it's Philadelphia. It's a different market. Yeah. You yeah. can do so. It'd be like if the Orlando Magic called me like, hey, we'd like you to be a color analyst for us on our play-by-play. I'd be like, or on our, our games. I'd be like, what are you guys, idiots? Yeah. Like, why would you hire me? I have no tie to that. I don't know anything about the history of your team. I know Shaq played for you 30 years ago. Yeah. That's it. Penny Hardaway. But I'm yeah. just saying this is a different type of town where I'm at, I'm at a supermarket the other day. An old friend of mine who used to coach my daughters in soccer said, yeah. I said, what are you doing with your time now? He's not. He's a little older than I am. He says, I, I do 81 Phillies games. I'm an usher over there. Get people their seats and stuff. That's that's what Philly is. That's what yeah. I see in this town. That's People go to that. They want to be part of it. They want to be part of their sports teams. And, and if you're hiring outside sources, which is fine, then you better adopt the history of the team and what the team stands for right away rather than kind of like working into it. I hate hearing stories like that, that, they're, that they have videos for that because I, I think you have people in this town that, that know more about hockey than they think they know. Yeah. And I'm, so, I'm obviously making light of this. They didn't like, they didn't have the, like the concessions workers and the parking employees and everybody in this thing. Right. It was, <laughs> it was like the people I assume who like work in yes. like the, the business side of like, and it wasn't, it wasn't like, mandatory from what I understand. Okay. Also, it wasn't man. It was like a, it was like a volunteer. If you want to do I'm it. Just, kind of thing. If you're listening yeah. out there you and now you're, you're upset and offended. I'm just what? kidding. I'm just, we're, we're playing around here. Everybody just take a deep breath. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so who who are you voting for uh, MVP and then best defenseman there, Russell, before I give you my votes? Who do you want me to give me mine first? You know, you said MVP and, and best defenseman. Well, Bobby Clark is team MVP and Barry Ashby is best defenseman. So I, I think the Ashby, we could go the way that you and I went the first year that I was down doing games with you. I, I would probably say Travis Sanheim was the the best defenseman yep. on this team. Uh, did he have bad certainly the most yes. Certainly the most consistent. Exactly. Did he have bad moments? He did. Did he rebound at times? He did. Um, do I think that this team is going to make it a, a, a really important point of emphasis going into next year to to work on, you know, him and Rasmus Ristolainen together? I do. Um, I, I would say Sanheim. So, uh, Bundy, who would, as the former NHL defenseman here on the show... Uh, who would you give the award to? It's like they're you all can't say nobody. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just to, to kind of like self-define what it, I mean, nobody to me stood out and um, absolutely dominated the position like we'd seen like a Desjardins or Mark Howdu or Kimo Timonen. Um I mean, it's not Yandel. Um <laughs> You could give it to Yandel. He got you closest. Steeler got to the, a lot of people excited this year. Yandel got you closest to the uh, lottery, right? He did. <laughs> he actually, in terms of service to the organization, he did a lot. Uh, <laughs> All right, so Keith Yandel is Bundy's pet. I don't want to yet rag guys because I've been I've been a shit player at a time too in my life. Yeah. So you know what, you guys, I haven't forgot that. But you know, what? I'm not saying a shit player. I'm just saying like his numbers are so bad. The plus yeah. minus, like, yeah. So we say that because that's, you know, he's got the flyers down by the bottom. 
Honest to God, guys, like, I, I, I guess, yeah, I guess Sandheim. I yeah. mean, it's not like I would have said, like, it, but if you guys didn't say it, I don't know if I would have said his name. Like, I, I don't know. I would. I, it's almost like you're at a point now where you, because Braun is gone and because Yandel's plus minus is so bad, you're you're now at a process of elimination. It's one of three guys, really. It can it's only be. Can't be risk the line. And I mean, it, and it's know, not Provorov. So it's not absolutely not Provorov. So, so it, yeah, it's it Sandheim. has to be Sandheim. The best of if what was if Braun were still yeah. here, if Braun were still here, would he get consideration? I yes. would have voted for him. Yeah, yeah. I would have. Okay. I wasn't kidding when I said I would have voted for Braun and Giroux. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, how about for uh, how about for MVP? And you start Clark with Trophy. Team MVP. And you well, start. I, I thought I thought it was an automatic. Um, it, you know, maybe for a little while, I thought Carter Hart would have been in the conversation, but he struggled a little bit down the stretch, and then he got hurt. He's missing a bunch of games. Goals against average climbed above three. I mean, he's still save percentage was still pretty decent for a goalie that has a, a, a goals against over three. Um, to be still be over ninety percent is still pretty good. But I think it has to be Cam Atkinson. Atkinson tied for the team lead in goals, tied for the team lead in points. Um, I mean, you know, came in and has been a, a, a pretty solid player for them, consistent most of the season. He did have that one downstretch um, around December where he was kind of like, you know, missing in action. But other than that, I, I think that he was probably their most consistent and reliable player for the whole season. I mean, Konechny's got 50 points, has been really good since February. Yep. Um, but you can't give the guy the MVP award for only playing for two months. And I didn't think he played great prior to that. He doesn't have well, 20 goals. What's that? Connecting doesn't even have near 20 goals yet. Right? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. I mean, yeah. And the only other guy, the only other guy that you could, I guess, maybe even consider is Farabee, but he missed so much time. Yeah, he, he only played, he's only played 59 games. I, I so, have another, I mean, well. So I went with Atkins. Atkinson was my vote. Yeah, it's hard because you can't even look at a guy with like leadership traits that we think might be in consideration for the captaincy next year. Like I, I don't think you can make the case for Scott Lawton. Um, if you're going by like constant and consistent work rate, maybe it's Lawton. Um, th- I mean, maybe that's why uh, Sam wrote the piece that he did. If we're being fair, like it, it really is a crapshoot. I think Bundy, wh- where are you going? What do you think? Hopefully to lunch in about five minutes. But I'm gonna finish the show right now. Um, you know what? Uh, I, I'm just gonna ride in these coattails. I'm gonna go to Atkinson. He had a very nice year. He's a nice guy. It seemed like. And uh, yeah, in a year as bad as this, I'm looking to find any kind of fluff I can put on my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So <laughs> I mean, that's uh, yeah, I, guys. It's been a horrible year. Like it's been yeah. god awful. Yeah. It's been pathetic. Yeah, you know. And, and again, we're we're. We're at a point where we can't. We're we're digging up for names now. Like we're actually deducting num- names to to the winner of these awards. Yeah, um, it's just incredible. And, I hope. And yeah, it's bad. It's it's, it's funny in a sense because you think about it and you go, "All right, well, part of the reason that we're struggling so much to come up with names is because, and this is where injuries come into play, right? Like you didn't have Kevin Hayes, you didn't have Sean Couturier for large stretches of the season, so. You know, right. Couturier would obviously be your your team MVP in a healthy season. You would think that if if Hayes if Hayes had to step in as like the one C at, at times here, that he probably would have been your team MVP. But by virtue of of injuries and everything else, no, you like there. Guys, we I have one more thing to ask you, and I don't know, is it becoming like almost like a little bit of a unsolved mysteries? But is there a missing Ryan Ellis right now? I was going to save this for next week. Yeah, let's, um, I just, no, let's 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 just tease it then because yeah, I, I, it was I, 
The team. There was a great article. There was a great article written by Anthony DeMarco in the fourth period. Yeah. Um, he's filled in. He filled in for you guys that one week that. Yes. Uh, that uh, neither of you were available. He did the show with me. Um, he wrote a really, really good article, and you know he's he's got some sources in there, and I. I know that he does talk to people down with the Flyers. So it's not like just because he's based in ca- in Canada and whatever. He's got some sources down here that are suggesting that things are not as rosy as between Ellis and the organization as you might think. Yeah. And and that that there's some concern there. Um yeah, I think that that's a that's a great question, Bundy, and it, you know, I wonder. I wonder what's going to happen there. I I, yeah. I, I kind of get the sense that there's a difference in belief and how he should handle the injury, mm-hmm. and that with each day that goes by, it gets more and more precarious as to whether he'll be able to play at the start of next season or be ready to be ready for training camp at the very least. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's you know, I think the team wants him to get surgery on whatever his issue is, and he doesn't want to get the surgery and doesn't trust the doctors and uh, who knows it's it's wild but yeah he's been kind of uh on his own away from the team for a couple weeks now and um i think it's definitely something worth talking about isn't it interesting like like, isn't it interesting it feels like every year we have one player at least that doesn't agree with the team officials on or the team doctors on what the course of action is right it when nolan patrick was here like this was not I, I don't want to go down the Nolan Patrick road again, but there there were definitely differences of opinion in how things were handled with his situation and and all that. And now you've got Ellis, and Ellis in, in theory is supposed to be this really important player for you next year. You know, I think it's totally fair to sit back a second and say, all right, if there's truth to this and if there is a disagreement as to like the condition or the injury itself and the course of action and you've you haven't had the time to build uh, equity with this guy, right? Like you haven't been able to build real rapport with this guy in terms of like a winning culture and a good season and, you know, multiple years of good treatment. He's a new player who played like what, four or five games for you this year. And is supposed to be important, but if he's at odds with the team now, man, that, that doesn't bode well for next season, right? Like if, if you're starting out on really, really rough ground right to start that certainly doesn't make it seem like this is a um a palatable situation or a relationship that uh is going to start off on the right foot you have to hope obviously if you're a fan out there that they can get whatever issue may or may not exist there rectified so that he's ready for next season and is ready to contribute because otherwise do we like have to have a conversation this offseason that like he wants out like if he doesn't like how he was treated here to he and the agent push to get him out of, out of town. And by the way, if that happens, he's got term, he's got money and he's got another injury season. That's not going to be an easy contract to move, no matter how good you think his ceiling is. Yeah. Good question. Good point. I do. I, I do want to ask you one, one trivia question though, Bundy. Yep. See if you, see if you, we were, since we were talking about the Barry Ashby award yep. in your decade with the team, Eric Desjardins won the award seven times. Do you now two other guys won it the the other three years? Yeah. One guy won it Dan, twice, and one guy won it once. Dan McGillis. So, Dan McGillis won it once. Who's the Dan guy that won it twice? Uh, bu- 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 bu. I don't know. Kim Janssen. Oh yeah, that was a little later though. I always do the post two thousand. Yeah. He yeah. Had he had points. Both those guys, you know, they weren't great defensively. 
very good offensive players, though, both guys. And Gilly yeah. had a great year in the power play one year. Yeah. So, yeah, they were they were good hockey players. They played hard. You know, yeah, I'm just cur- I was just curious if you would have thought. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I, I, wonder, yeah, I, I knew Danny, remember. I knew Danny won one. Um, yeah, it was they were good times. You know, guys, uh, obviously the league lost uh, a hero uh, last night. One of the great yes. legends in the in the National Hockey League. And really, I'll say this: my boyhood hero was Guy Lafleur in the Montreal Canadiens. Guy Lafleur passed away at the age of seventy. He was in uh, in hospice for a, a couple of weeks or a few weeks now. So, uh, but really, the impact that he left. Anthony, I know you know this. Rusty's a lot older, 70 years old, but he defined an organization, a championship organization, for as long as he played, and, and was every bit celebrated as uh, kind of the leader leading up to Wayne Gretzky of passing of the torch of who it was, and uh, certainly a guy that uh, I know the Philadelphia Flyers, Bob Clark. I mean, Billy Clement talking over the years had the utmost respect for that Montreal Canadiens team, uh, and Guy Lafleur was the head of that snake. So rest in peace to one of the greats. Uh, and my boyhood idol. Yeah, that's a good point. I only got to see him really Bundy towards the end of his career. I mean, you know, we're we're almost the same age, and so I yeah. I don't I don't remember him as much uh, in his prime. I remember him towards the end of the career, and I just remember how how beloved he was. And as much and I hated the Canadians mm-hmm. growing up here. We couldn't stand the Canadians. Yeah. Um, but but like he was the one guy that it didn't matter that he was on the Canadians. Everybody seemed to love the guy. So. Um, that's the one thing I can rem- that I remember about Lafleur, and of course he was a Hall of Fame player, great player, legendary, so. epic yeah. hockey player. So rest yeah. in peace. That's a nice, RIP there, a nice man. way to end the show. Uh, make sure you go follow the the show. Obviously, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can check out the video over on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel. Um, you can leave a five star review wherever you have your podcast. Right, you can leave a five star rating on Spotify just under the uh, the show's pages uh, image. You can go on to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating, but also a five-star review, like this one from CoolCat567 underscore Autumn, who says, Best Flyers podcast. Best Flyers podcast out there by far. Multiple exclamation points. That's what we're here for. Go follow Ant on Twitter at AntSanPhilly, Bundy at Cetarian6, me on Twitter at JoyOnBroad. You can find all of the links in the description of this episode. Make sure you come back again for next week's episode. It's going to be a doozy, but for now... We're Bundy for Ant. I'm Russ. Thanks for listening to Snow the Goalie. We'll talk to you next week.